Hello, everyone, and welcome back to SALT Talks. My name is John Darcy. I'm the Managing Director of SALT, which is a global thought leadership forum and networking platform at the intersection of finance, technology, and public policy. SALT Talks are a digital interview series with leading investors, creators, and thinkers. And our goal on these talks is the same as our goal at our SALT conferences, the next of which is coming up uh, in late April in the Bahamas, which is Crypto Bahamas, uh, that we are launching this year for the first time in partnership with FTX. Today's speaker will be there. Uh, so if you're not attending, it's sold out. So you can't buy a ticket, but you should come next year. But excited to, to see everyone there in the Bahamas. But our goal at those events and our goal on these SALT talks is to provide a window into the mind of subject matter experts, as well as provide a platform for what we think are big ideas that are shaping the future. And we're very excited today to welcome you to the latest episode of the SALT Crypto Show, which is presented by FTX, uh, with our guest today, George Malika. Uh, George is the CEO and co-founder of SFOX. Prior to starting SFOX in 2014, George was an engineer who built several high-frequency and algorithmic trading systems with several uh, multiple trading and investment management firms, including Nuveen, uh, now TIAA, and UNX. Uh, George is also well-versed in architecting payments and custody systems, having worked on the stamps.com payment system. He was early into crypto, and at the time, George saw the price inefficiencies and complexities in the crypto market caused by fragmentation and conceived of SFOX as a single point of access for the entire crypto ecosystem. George, very excited to have you uh, here on Salt Talks today. It's going to be even more fun to have you uh, in the Bahamas, but it's great to talk to you. Um, we like to start most of these conversations around your background and how you made your way into crypto. So if you could just talk a little bit to, you know, how were you educated? How did you grow up? What was your career uh, leading into founding SFOX? And then when did you have that eureka moment that you wanted to build within uh, the digital asset ecosystem? Yeah, for sure. Thanks so much for having me, John. I'm very excited to be here. Uh, yeah, like you said, my background is primarily in engineering. I've always been a programmer. And for some reason, I got really attracted to the capital markets really early on. I think to me, it was more of a, a math problem, right? You have all this data available to you. Can you actually use it to make some money and beat the market, right? Beat the other guy. Uh, so I've always been playing around with uh, market data, uh, trading, trading, and then tried to get into that market. And I remember when uh, a friend of mine first told me about uh, crypto, Bitcoin specifically back then, there was no crypto, it was just Bitcoin. Uh, and he was trying to explain, he's an engineer, so he was trying to explain to me the best he can about crypto. And I was like, I, I just don't get it. What's so good about crypto? It just doesn't make any sense. But the more I read about it, it was really the marriage of like the two worlds that I really love, right? Like engineering, programming, and you have this new financial asset, new financial instrument that it was really set to just change the face of the earth. Um, like I said, back then it was just Bitcoin. We're still trying to figure out what is Bitcoin, what is it good for? Is it payments? Is it a uh, trading asset? And uh, and yeah, that's what got me into the space. And like you said, for SFOX specifically, coming from that uh, capital markets, like the traditional equities market, uh, I could see right away the uh, fragmentation and the inefficiency that was present at the time when we started SFOX. Uh, there were so many different exchanges. Everybody has to open multiple accounts, spread their money across several accounts. You, you can't even trade your whole all, all your funds in one place. So you have to do it uh, so many different places. What we figured was, let's bring it all together into SFOX. You have just one account and you can trade across the globe, across all the different markets. 
Yeah. So can you talk a little bit more about that pain point that you were trying to solve for, you know, comparing where we are today in crypto markets and the fragmentation and inefficiencies that you see versus the relative efficiency that we have in, you know, mainstream capital markets, stocks, bonds, things of that nature. Where are we in the life cycle of crypto and how how much has that pain point been solved by companies like SFOX or other solutions that are out there? Yeah, definitely. So, um, when we first started, we thought this problem was going to go away eventually, right? Like fragmentation, the market will mature and everything will just consolidate and we'll have the free entry points like you have today in the equities market. But that wasn't the case. In fact, if anything, that fragmentation problem just increased. Uh, when we first started, there were only three exchanges, but today there are more than that just in the U.S. alone, right? Like there are almost 10 exchanges in the U.S. and then globally there's 160 different exchanges. And if you tag on all the different market makers, the OTC providers, the problem just multiplies. So I don't think the crypto market will go the same way that the equities market has gone because the equities market was built around just like consolidating everything into a few key players. The whole promise of crypto is to make it as open and as widely accessible as possible which is actually the OX in the SFOX name, it's open exchange. We allow you to participate. You're able to open an account and start trading literally right away. This doesn't take time. And you're able to participate in the whole wide crypto market. Right. And talk more about that whole suite of services that SFOX provides. You know, we like to make these uh, podcasts and, and videos accessible to a wide range of people. Uh, that are newer to crypto or newer to financial markets and people that are also deep deep into the weeds on uh, these industries. But what do you enable, you alluded to it in your opening salvo, but what do you allow uh, someone to do uh, if they're looking to get involved in crypto markets? What are all the services that SFOX provides? Okay, great question. So when we first started, the idea for SFOX was a single point of access to everything you need in crypto. In the beginning, that was basically just spot trading, which is something we're always going to have. But as the market matured, you would start getting into DeFi, all these different crypto uh, assets. The services that we needed to provide as a, a prime broker, prime dealer, just expanded more and more. So right now we have custody for you. If you want to hold your assets with a like a, a, uh, a legal custodian with our environment trust license, we're able to do that for you. If you also require uh, like easy settlement, flexible settlement, right? We also provide that to you. You can do like T plus one, T plus three, we can negotiate with you. Um, there's also uh, credit lines, like I said, derivatives also is available now on the platform. And the more as the company matures, as the market itself matures, there will be more and more services coming down the line. You know, for us, I wear two hats, right? I'm the managing uh, director and partner of SALT, which is our thought leadership arm. And we also have Skybridge, which is our asset management uh, arm of our business. And, you know, we got interested in crypto in about 2017, like a lot of people did during the, uh, you know, initial uh, spike in price uh, that put it on a lot of people's radar. But as we examined the space, there weren't necessarily, you know, institutional quality custody uh, relationships that we could build or, or service providers in general, how far do you think the crypto industry has come? You know, in, in our opinion, there's two major pain points for institutional asset allocators, which we deem as people like endowments, pensions, sovereign wealth funds, 
uh, there's two major pain points that they're trying to solve for. There's the regulatory clarity that they would like before diving headfirst into the asset class. We've talked to plenty of those types of asset allocators that like crypto, that are investing in the private equity you know, side of the equation into exchanges or infrastructure providers. But the, in terms of buying the actual coins, they're still a little bit reticent uh, to invest until we get more regulatory clarity. And the other piece is the institutional quality infrastructure piece. I think, you know, in our view, uh, it got to a point where we felt comfortable allocating using service providers like Fidelity and Coinbase Institutional and, and others in the space. Um, but where do you think that we've come in terms of institutional quality crypto infrastructure that would make these institutional a- asset allocators more comfortable investing in the, in the space? Yeah, so uh, at SFOX, we actually started with that in mind. Uh, we did see the lack of institutional uh, tools for institutional players that want to come into the, the space to participate in the space. And we really started building that from day one. Even when back then there was no institutional player, like in 2014, there were no institutional players in the space. Right. But all the tools that we built, like even though they helped the individual uh, trader, they also helped the institutional uh, funds and, uh, and so on. And we have one of the most mature platforms in that regard, but also to on the uh, the qualified custodian side. So the regulatory ambiguity has been an issue, but it's actually helped the space more than it hurt, to be honest, because the space was able to adapt. And instead of just following the SAC or only following the CFTC, the space had to follow everybody's rules and regulations. So a lot of people would say, and people that don't know the space will say, oh, the market is unregulated, I would say it's heavily regulated. It's self-regulated. We follow everybody's rules. But as the, um, as the state itself matures, as they see the asset class and they understand it better, you'll start getting more and more clarity and people will start catching up to states like Wyoming, for example. Wyoming created this brand new regime of regulations for crypto specifically. And we are proud to be like the first crypto native company that she get one of those licenses uh, where we are able to be a qualified custodian for those same big institutional uh, participants that are looking for that uh, specifically to be able to participate in the market. So on the infrastructure side, we have like a full build suite. The tech uh, is there to support whatever they need. Uh, and also on the regulatory side, we do have those licenses there. Yeah, you, you mentioned Wyoming, and Wyoming has been a bastion of sort of uh, proactive and progressive crypto regulation um, on a number of fronts. And I believe SFOX became Wyoming's first crypto trust firm uh, right. that you sort of alluded to. You know, what is Wyoming doing right in terms of the framework that they've built for regulating digital assets? What is the significance of SFOX becoming uh, the first crypto trust firm in Wyoming? And how do you hope to see, you know, the United States more broadly uh, follow sort of the template that Wyoming has provided for crypto regulation? Yeah, I mean, Wyoming was really forward looking and really tried to understand the space first before they wrote any of the laws. So they really like worked with the industry, they talked to people, they understood it, and they created this new framework that helps the whole industry, to be honest. Like, that's, there's a reason why a lot of companies are now applying to the Wyoming license, whether it's a speedy or a trust, because they allow them to do the things that the space, need, the space needs to operate effectively. Uh, and yeah, and like the, like I said, one of the benefits of that is people, companies like SFOX would be able to become a qualified custodian 
to satisfy the needs of the big institutional players that want to be able to participate in this space. Right. Switching gears a little bit and talking about derivatives. So, you know, it's, it's something that we've talked about on this show with a, a couple of different folks, but uh, you recently entered the crypto derivative space and announced that you're going to open the first multi-dealer crypto NDF platform, uh, which means you're planning to open a market and, and facilitate trading of Bitcoin derivatives uh, with large banks, other market makers. Why did you guys uh, decide to move in, into that space? And why do you think it's important that we develop uh, you know, more liquidity in the area of crypto derivatives and, and how you guys are thinking about the platform? Yeah, that's no, a great question. So there are really two types of users that we've come across in the space that want to be actually come into the space. One is the, the institution that is comfortable holding the underlying asset. They're okay holding Bitcoin, okay holding Ethereum and all these other tokens. And there are others that just are not either, whether legally or technically, able to hold the underlying asset itself. So what they would rather do is get the financial exposure that they need without having to deal with the underlying. And that's where NDF come, comes into play. Especially for those like really big banks, uh, they're very familiar with the product, uh, both on the regulatory side, on the compliance side, and also as creators, do you know how to deal with it? And this our, was our first foray into derivatives for that reason. Uh, the demand was there. People were already approaching us to give them that product. Uh, and uh, we were able to give it to them so that they can get that financial exposure without having to worry too much, whether from a compliance perspective or a technical perspective, how to hold the underlying crypto. Very cool. Um, and, and how mature is the crypto derivatives market becoming? Again, we've talked to FTX itself. Uh, FTX US acquired a crypto derivatives exchange in LedgerX and currently has a proposal in front of the CFTC uh, to allow it to begin trading perpetual crypto futures and then eventually perpetual futures around other uh, asset classes as well. But, you know, Question number one or part one of this question is, is how mature are crypto derivatives markets today? And how do you expect to see market structure more broadly disrupted by blockchain-based exchanges and, and crypto markets? Yeah, I mean, as more and more people get exposed to crypto, uh, products like on FTX and all that, people are going to expect trading in general, whether it's on equities market or on the crypto market, to really behave the same way. Just like they're able to do it on an FTX and SFOX, they want to be able to do it on Robinhood and E-Trade. Uh, and, and yeah, like the derivatives market in crypto, like it's pretty mature now. It's been around for, for a long time. Right. The most trading happens on derivatives. So both the platforms and the product itself is very, very mature. And with moves like what FTX is doing, buying Ledger X, applying for all the, the different other licenses, DCMs, FCMs and all that, it only going to provide that regulatory clarity and uh, accessibility to those products to wider audiences. And you, you come from, like you said, you come from sort of an engineering background into capital markets. You were involved in more traditional capital markets right. uh, prior to, to getting deep into crypto. And we saw Goldman Sachs recently make their first OTC crypto trade with Galaxy. Uh, we've seen you know large hedge funds like Citadel uh, start to get deep into crypto trading. Um, how much do you see over the next five years or so, you know, legacy financial institutions start to get deeper into crypto trading, and how do you think that'll affect the marketplace? 
I think they're going to come in hot and heavy. It might not even take uh, five years. I mean, we see a lot of different interests now. People are trying to figure out how they can enter the space. You know, like the NDF product that we talked about earlier. Yeah. Just like just the first bite. This is something just get them comfortable, get them used to it. But then it's going to open wide, uh, be wide open to everybody. Uh, the demand is there. The, the the problem for them is their users, their clients are asking for it, and they need to figure out a way to provide it. Uh, you've seen uh, uh, interactive brokers now offering crypto trading. I think e, uh, TE Trade and TD Ameritrade they also offer crypto trading. So that demand is only going to increase and it's not going away. The banks are just going to come in. Once the Biden uh, executive order comes into play and everybody has that clarity, it's going to be open season. Right. Yeah. And how do you think, you know, competition will play out in the space? You know, I think we're getting to a point now where, where if you're an institution, let's say you're a hedge fund and you're looking to get involved in crypto markets, there is a suite of, you know, I would say institutional quality solutions uh, for you know, everything from trading to custody and, and some of the services that SFOX provides. But if you're one of those people, I'll put you in their shoes and you're evaluating uh, different players in the space, what are the things that you're looking for that really differentiate the services being provided relative to some of the other solutions that are out there? Yeah, great question. I mean, I think for me, if I were them, I would look for a platform that gives me the fastest path to this market. Uh, everybody can build their own product or they can put together a lot of different products to be able to participate, but all that takes time. So the one that would get me going the fastest would be the one I would choose. Obviously, uh, things like uh, if we're talking trading specifically, liquidity is very important. Uh, uptime, like, you know, the crypto market, uptime is uh, a question mark. So uh, you need something like a very soft platform. Uh, shameful blog here, like SFOX, to uh, be able to give you this training opportunities 24-7 without having to worry too much about what could happen, like being stuck in a position. Right. And I've seen you talk about uh, the fact that NDFs are just really the start for SFOX, is that uh, you guys really plan to launch a full suite of, of DeFi products in 2022 and beyond. What is sort of the roadmap and the vision for what SFOX can, you know, SFOX 2.0 can become? Yeah, like I said, the vision for SFOX is always to be that single point of access to the market. So as the market matures, as more products come along, uh, I'm sure you've seen all the different DeFi products, you know, from trading to lending, borrowing, and, and all of that. We want to be able to provide this to our clients all from the same account, just like everything else that SFOX does. So uh, product roadmap wise, I would say working with exchanges like FTX and others to provide derivative products to uh, our clients, uh, access to DeFi, building our custody suite to be that institutional custody product uh, that satisfies all their needs from their compliance perspective, control, and so on. Switching gears a little bit to a more sort of philosophical macro conversation, you know, in, in my introduction uh, of your bio, I talked about how you worked on the stamps.com payment system. Uh, you have background in both custody and architecting payments as well. Uh, we've seen, you know, Solana come out with a payment solution. We've seen uh, Strike come out with a payment solution for Bitcoin. Um, and you're starting to see, you know, different applications for crypto beyond just, you know, Bitcoin being a store of value or as, uh, you know, 
crypto assets being a means for trading or NFTs or things like that. But how much do you see crypto uh, infiltrating different aspects of the financial system, including payments and other places? What do you think, you know, let's say five years from now, if we're looking at the ecosystem, how do you think it's permeated different aspects of our, our financial system? Yeah, I mean, you could see signs of it today, like you mentioned, like all these different products, people are experimenting. And the good thing about crypto is there's no shortage of smart, really smart engineers coming in, trying to make their mark on the space, building new products, brand new ideas uh, from NFTs all the way to payments, everything in between, everything is uh, available to them. And, and I see this actually growing more and more. Uh, it will touch everything. Like before Ethereum came around, people couldn't even imagine trading happening in a decentralized way. But look at Uniswap today, right? Uniswap, SushiSwap, they beat some of the biggest exchanges out there on spot trading. There's so much happening on their platforms. Uh, same thing with NFTs, right? Like today, maybe it's starting with just art, but NFTs is going to grow into a lot more than just art from real estate, to cars, titles, everything will be touched by NFTs. And I wish I could tell you, like, I'm, uh, I can see the future, but I don't know exactly <laughs> what you're going to build, but I can tell you that uh, crypto itself is going to permeate pretty much any, uh, any space where money is involved. Like, this will be the future of money. Even central banks today are thinking about creating their own tokens. This right. is going to be everywhere. Yeah. Right. And, and sort of once we forget that we're operating on sort of crypto rails is when, you you know, the, the movement has really arrived. Um, well, exactly. Right. Like if you like a lot of people would like to compare crypto to the old Internet days. Right. Like those guys didn't imagine Uber today. Like you don't even think it's on the Internet, but it, but it is like use the infrastructure. Nobody thinks about it anymore, but it's there. And that's what crypto is going to be for sure. Yeah, you know, my my partner, Anthony Scaramucci, talks about how he had an opportunity to invest in Uber in the early days. And he was brought the pitch by Travis Kalanick. And it said, you know, rather than booking your black car via your car service, you're going to have the ability on your phone to summon a car. It could be from a professional car service or it could just be an average person who has a vehicle and decides they want to you know, become a contractor and drive for Uber. And, you know, he said he thought that sounded ridiculous and, and passed on the idea. Um, it's one of, you know, many misses that he uh, talks about in his career and that you have to get comfortable with as an investor. Uh, but yeah, like you said, you now can't it feels avoid like them, right? <laughs> what do you say? You can't avoid those, uh, those misses. No, no, you can't. And um, you know, that's why maybe uh, different VCs like a Tiger Global, they've decided to take an index approach. Whereas you look at certain criteria that, that companies bring to the table and you you make allocations to to people that are doing disruptive things because we can't see the future, but um, you know, you invest in smart people and interesting ideas. But, um, but you know, like that Uber story is everybody's Bitcoin story too. Like right. every time you tell someone about Bitcoin for the first time. Everybody's got that no crazy violence. friend. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's got that crazy friend that uh, told them about Bitcoin in, in 2012, 2013, and, exactly. and dismissed them and, and said they were crazy and uh, and didn't buy it. I, I certainly am in that camp. Thankfully, I woke up before it was too late and and uh, and bought some, but certainly wish I had more exposure. But that's a good segue into a question I like to ask. You know, everybody as part of the Salt Crypto Show is how you perceive Bitcoin because I think certain people perceive it and arrived at Bitcoin and crypto in different ways. You know, there's certainly the sort of hardcore libertarian audience that view it as sort of a, 
a non-sovereign currency that's not subject to government censorship and and the whims of central banks and things like that. There's people that see it more as a software upgrade for our financial system and and you know view it more in that lens. But as it as Bitcoin started to resonate with you in those early days that you talked about uh, when you were introduced to it, what's the narrative uh, that really struck a chord with you and, and got you enthusiastic about Bitcoin specifically? I mean, it is the former, the libertarian point of yep. view on Bitcoin. So I'm an immigrant. Uh, I, I was born and raised in Egypt and immigrating from there. Like we had to figure out how to move our money from Egypt to here. Right. And that wasn't easy at all. Like my dad had to go to different spots, meeting people in person and exchanging currencies. Um, they're skimming a lot of money off the top. You know, remittance <laughs> seems like such an obvious use case. Massive, right? Like that's the most obvious one that everybody just sees right away. Right. Uh, and that's what really got it, got me into it. But aside from just being the, the remittance uh, platform, it was also the fact that is it is just removes the intermediary from any transaction you, you want. Me, me and you can do whatever financial transaction without having to worry about someone else uh, stopping it for any reason or putting a fee on it for whatever reason. There's just two people interacting just like they do with cash, but this one is internet cash. Right. Yeah. No, it's, it's fascinating. Like I said, you know, I, I think the elevator pitch that I give to people that, that come to me with some skepticism around Bitcoin, and I get it all the time now that, you know, we professionally at Skybridge and me personally have gotten deeper into the space is that, yeah, it's a, it's solving for sort of a non-sovereign uh, currency in a way that's immutable and, and uh, secured by a decentralized network of, of validators, right? You know, it's, it's a, uh, this idea of creating non-sovereign currencies has been around for a long time, but there was no clear path to creating a currency that had fixed supply and, and something that was immutably built into the code. Uh, but Bitcoin solved for that, and I think laid the the groundwork for everything else that we're seeing, from Ethereum-based uh, DeFi to to all the other protocols that have been built. Um, you know, last question I want to ask you is about the future. You know, I asked you sort of earlier where you see SFOX going. You talked about wanting to be the single point of access. Um, you know, for people that are looking to get involved in crypto. But as, as we look out at the entire ecosystem, how do you think, let's say a decade from now, uh, the crypto ecosystem will be different or more evolved than it is today? Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot more uh, focus on DeFi. There's going, like if you look at DeFi today, there is the platform people build on top of, and then there's like the VC side of it where brand new startups companies actually get built on the blockchain uh, and you are able to participate as an individual in this new asset class as well like be a vc yourself without having to go through any of the hassle of traditional investing today uh just as little as a dollar you can invest in that so what that will uh, drive people towards is building more and more companies on, on the blockchain more and more startups on the blockchain and all the smart engineers are going to jump into that. So like I said, from areas like remittance, trading, um, transfer of assets, transfer of value, everything's gonna start to be built on the blockchain. Uh, eventually, maybe 15, 20 years from now, you'll start you stop even thinking about blockchains. It, it doesn't matter what they're using, right. all you know is you can just interact with them in an efficient way. Do you think it's going to be a winner takes all type scenario where you have, you know, Ethereum plus its layer twos are going to swallow everything and there's no need for uh, multiple protocols in a multi-chain world? Or do you think there's truly 
uh, you know, different protocols that serve different purposes in an optimal way. And thus there's going to be a bunch of winners out there in the level one ecosystem. Yeah. So the, the same benefits that are in your elevator pitch for people about crypto, you know, that immutability part, uh, it's a, it's a positive and a negative at the same time. It's positive because it is immutable. You can trust it, but the negative part is it's very hard to change. So as things evolve, as uh, people perception of the blockchain evolves, it will be hard for there to be a winner take all because blockchains like Ethereum, for example, won't be able to just provide all the services for everybody, right? Like there will be limitations in certain areas, which is why blockchains like Solana comes around and they serve a need, right? Like high frequency, super cheap transaction uh, uh, chain has a, has a need for it. Like people are looking for that. So Traditionally in fintech, there isn't a winner take all. There is big winner, like big winners, but multiple of them, not just one. Uh, so I see the same thing happen with blockchain. There will be multiple big blockchains. Uh, there will always be the traditional Bitcoin is the biggest and then Ethereum and so on, but there'll be a lot of different blockchains serving a lot of different purposes. The other question I wanted to ask you is around security. You know, I talked about the pain points for institutions being um regulatory clarity, as well as sort of institutional quality crypto infrastructure with concerns about security built into that. You know, we've yeah. never seen Bitcoin be hacked. We haven't really seen major hacks of uh, blockchains, but we have seen service providers and DAOs and, and other players within the crypto ecosystem been hacked. At SFOX, how do you guys look at security and how do you take sort of a extra cautious approach in terms of how you protect client assets and things like that? Yeah, so at SFOX, we take security extremely seriously. Uh, we know there's a target on our back every day and people probably probing us every day. So every year we do code reviews, uh, we do uh, vulnerability testing, we have a bug banning program that's active all the time. We have SOC 2 uh, certification now. So we take security very seriously. And uh, the funny thing is, is where we learned how to custody uh, crypto and what, like how we made it so secure. And it really goes back to our days at stamps.com of all places, yeah. uh, because there we had to secure digital postage stamps, right? <laughs> and people don't think about it this way, but they're basically a crypto asset, right? They're uh, protected by cryptography and we create our own tokens, which is postage stamp and sell. And Funnily, like uh, stamps.com used to also get hacked quite a bit, not hacked, but people would steal posts using fake identities, fake credit cards. And I would never, never understood why, like why are people stealing postage stamps, right? Uh, but they did. And we had to come up with all different kinds of new technologies, actually patented technologies back then to protect postage stamps. And we learned from that on how, from like how to protect postage and we applied it into uh, SFOX, how to protect our own digital assets. Right. No, it's it's fascinating. You know, maybe stamps for like the original NFTs, right? Uh, <laughs> it really is. Yeah. The mail system is its own metaverse. These are assets <laughs> that obviously uh, have a correlation to real life dollars and cents, but, but are used <laughs> for a different purpose and sort of like their own currency, like poker chips in your, your new home uh, of Las Vegas. But no, that's, that's fascinating exactly. parallel between the work you did at stamps.com and, and the way you're looking at security within crypto. 
Um, well, George, it's been a pleasure to have you on. We're looking forward to seeing you in person uh, in the Bahamas, April 26th to the 29th uh, for FTX Salt Crypto Bahamas. It's going to be a lot of fun and getting back to, to in real life stuff over the last six to nine months has been great. Uh, but it's also been a pleasure talking to you here. Uh, so yeah, thanks. It was great to talk to you as well, John. Thanks again, George. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in to today's Salt Talk with George Malika of SFOX, which has come up with a, a very interesting and novel solution for, for creating that sort of uh, prime brokerage central point of access for uh, people who are looking to get involved in the crypto space. Uh, just a reminder, if you missed any part of this talk or any of our previous Salt Talks or the Salt Crypto Show, you can access them on our website at salt.org backslash talks or on our YouTube channel, which is called Salt Tube. Uh, we're also available in podcast form anywhere where you consume your podcasts. Uh, we're on social media. Twitter is where we're most active at Salt Conference, but we're also on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook as well. Uh, please spread the word about these Salt Talks. Uh, but on behalf of the entire Salt team, this is John Darcy signing off for today. We hope to see you back here again soon.